Well, welcome everyone to podcast number one. This is Celtic Preacher. And Celtic Preacher is going to be, she's hoping to look at the teachings of Jesus and apply them to our lives today. And we're not just going to be sticking with the teachings of Jesus because it so happens this first podcast, we are going to be looking at Adam and Eve. So we're going way, way back to Genesis, thousands of years before Jesus walked on the earth, looking at some spiritual lessons from Adam and Eve. What could Adam and Eve possibly teach us? This ancient account about paradise and beautiful gardens and talking serpents. Well, one of the things that you'll notice that's really quite fascinating about Adam and Eve's story is, is that Adam and Eve's story is very descriptive of how things are for us today. In other words, when you look at Adam and Eve's story, you're going to notice immediately that the struggles and the temptations and the mess that they find themselves in not only happened to Adam and Eve thousands and thousands of years ago, but they're still happening today. Because basically, in the second chapter of Genesis, Adam and Eve describe what it means to be human. Yeah, surprising, isn't it? They describe humanity and our constant struggles, our conflict, our domination, our powering over, our blaming. Have you ever been in a a relationship struggle? Well, of course you have, right? So whether it's with your three-year-old or your spouse or your boss, basically, when you think about it, all conflict struggles are about boundaries and power, right? They're all about, you set the boundary, don't do this, someone else says, I want to do it, right? So there's many different ways to look at a passage of scripture, but I think that one of the really uh, helpful ways is to look at it as descriptive of our lives today. And with some of the scriptures, you can do that. You know, there's some scriptures that's prescriptive. In other words, it tells you what to do. Like when Jesus says something like, forgive one another. Well, that's that's a prescription. This is a good way to live. Learn how to live this way and your stress level is going to go way down, right? But some of the teachings, especially in the Old Testament, some of it's descriptive. It tells you about what it means to be human. It tells you about our world. It tells you about God. And so it's very helpful to read Genesis as descriptive, how people relate to one another or how they don't relate very well to one another. Genesis tells us what we think about God, how we handle trouble, how we handle conflict, sometimes not very well, right? When you look at this ancient text, you become aware, oh, well, it's just like today, which of course is the point of it all, right? That's why these ancient texts have lasted thousands and thousands and thousands of years because each generation listens and says, now there's wisdom there. That can help me living. So Celtic Preacher this morning is going to be looking at Genesis chapter 2. So if you happen to have a Bible and you want to follow along, going to start in chapter 2, looking at verse 15. And I must admit that Celtic Preacher 
is actually speaking from sunny California. Because you're thinking, well, where is Celtic Preacher? Kind of sounds like a Scottish voice. Is she truly a Scot? Well, she is. She is. But she's actually in sunny California. So I don't want to make too much fuss about the sun and the 80 degrees and all of that in case some of my Scottish friends are listening and then they'll be turning off by now because it's probably raining over there, okay? So here we go. Uh, Genesis chapter 2. Here's the setup. Here's the story. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. Paradise. Everything is perfect. Ah, It's a good day. The text says, verse 15, You are free to eat any tree in the garden. Adam and Eve, you can have it all. But do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you do, you will surely die. So there you are, they're in paradise, they have everything, it's beautiful, all their needs are met. There's only one thing that they're not allowed to do. Only one thing. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay, we know what's going to happen, right? We know what's going to happen because their story is our story. What happens when people are given limits? What happens when somebody says, don't do this, you know? Really, really, really want that fruit. Why? Because I just want it. I need it. I, I... The serpent appears in the narrative and sows a seed of doubt in regard to God's trustworthiness. Serpent comes along. And I might might add here that it doesn't really take too much persuasion here. The serpent comes along and says, chapter 3, verse 1, Did God say that you couldn't eat any of the fruit? And Eve replies, well, we can eat from any tree, but uh, we can't eat, you know, that one over there, the one in the middle of the garden, or we'll die. Well, you won't die, the serpent says. Because God knows if you eat it, you're going to be like God, and you'll know good and evil. Really? Well, that caught her attention. Maybe God can't be trusted. Yeah, maybe God's holding out on her in some way. And she looks at that fruit and she, she wants it and she takes it and she eats it and she gives some to Adam and he eats it. And then suddenly, as soon as they eat the fruit, something immediately changes. First of all, they see each other's nakedness and they feel shame. What is that? I don't know. Is it innocent lost? What's happened? What's happened? One of my favorite uh, pastors, theologians, David Loos, he has a nice comment on this. He says, The serpent sows the seeds of mistrust, inviting Adam and Eve to fulfill their deep want and need that is at the core of being human, not through their relationship with God, but by seizing the fruit that is in front of them. It's the temptation to be self-sufficient and to establish their identity on their own that seduces the first humans. Mm. Well, at its simplest, the story shows 
people of every age and time are insufficient. Something's missing. Something's not right. Something's missing. Blaise Pascal called it the God-shaped hole. Augustine said, we humans are always restless until we find our rest in God, right? What did Bono sing? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. What is that about? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. There's something missing. There's a, there's a, a need. There's a want. And down throughout history, people have recognized this. Something's missing. I'm empty. What can fill me? What is it? What is it that can fill me? I was thinking, kind of mulling over these recent, there's a recent uptick in suicides and, you know, in all of the states and several celebrities took their lives this week and I thought, that's a lot of despair and sadness, isn't it? Something missing, some emptiness, some despair, you know? You know, the temptation in life is, I think, that we all have. Let's just go with this metaphor of the fruit tree and the apple on the tree. We all have this idea. If I could secure this particular fruit, then you can fill in the blank what you think that you need to be fulfilled and happy, right? If I could secure this particular fruit, then I'll be content. And then I'll be happy and then I'll be at peace. You know, if I can if I can find the perfect partner, if I can have the perfect child or this job is what I need, that is going to take away the the emptiness. If I can just get enough money, and if I can pay my bills and I can have extra, then I'm going to be completely content. Then I'll be fine. Genesis said, mm, you know, that's actually the lie. Because in some ways, there's always a missing piece. Yeah, that's really kind of what it's saying here. There's always, there's always a, a, a reaching. There's always a sense of reaching. Now, Genesis it's clear that we get to choose how to spend our lives, right? We, we get to make choices. We can make wrong choices. We can make good choices. God seems to work with whatever situations we find ourselves in. But the lie is, is that there's something out there and that if I can just secure it, if I can just find that, then I'll be filled. And Genesis says, no, no, because... Soon you're going to be empty again, and then you're going to go looking for the next fix, whatever that next fix would look like, right? I mean, Jesus' teaching points this out time and time again. Following Christ, by the way, this has been my experience, that following Christ does not permanently erase the emptiness, Okay, following Christ doesn't remove the human dilemma of always having needs, right? Well, I think what it does is, I think what happens is, is that you don't get so easily duped. 
I think that's what happens when you follow Christ. You start to say, mm, no, I've gone down that road, I've tried that, that's not going to work. Mm, no. Like Jesus said, you know, it's easier to go through the eye of a needle than to have money give you complete fulfillment, rich young ruler, right? So he's saying you can't fill the God space need with stuff. It simply won't satisfy. Now, people being people, right, like Adam and Eve, we're going to cram every piece of fruit into our empty mouths that we can because we're empty and we're hungry and the ancient prophets say Isaiah said he warned why why do you do that why eat food that doesn't satisfy why would you want to do that why would you want to pursue things that don't ultimately satisfy a healthy alive spiritual life helps you see the illusions that this world offers. And it's, it's worth spending, you know, is, is it worth spending your life pursuing this? That's what a spiritual, a good spiritual life will ask that question a lot. Is this worth spending your life pursuing? And walking with Christ gives you perspective, but of course we can still get distracted, right? We can still get off track. And we do. But we begin to see the empty promises and we're not as likely to put our entire heart and soul and mind and energy and life into something that can't possibly sustain us. Jesus said, you know, don't be fooled because money is not going to do it for you. And don't be fooled because success of various kinds, that's not going to do it for you. So keep it all in perspective. Recognition, you don't need that. Acclaim, you don't need it. Uh, Stuff. You can get all of that and still be empty. And perhaps this is the biggest temptations in life, that we try to fill the emptiness with the wrong things. And so Jesus teaches, and he said this many times, I'm real food, he said. If you're thirsty, you've got to learn how to come to me. And if you're hungry, I am the bread of life. It's tricky, you know. It's tricky balance because it's tricky because we were created to desire companionship and meaningful work and friendships, right? We, we, we need these things. And many of us want to help and support and contribute, right? We want to make a difference in this world. That's why we do what we do. We desire secure home lives. We want a secure financial base. We have all these goals, and these are good things. But so easily, we can put unrealistic expectations on any one of these areas. And when we put these unrealistic expectations on any one of these areas, they get out of balance. They take on too much importance. They require too much of our time. All the other areas suffer and then we're stressed and we're unhappy and we're anxious and something's wrong. You know, we feel it. Something's wrong. It's like the mother who puts all her energy and time into her kids and then there's nothing left for her anymore at the end of the day. There's nothing left. She's tired. 
Yeah, it's like the worker that comes home exhausted and depleted and just stops off long enough at home to grab a bite to eat and then off again, driven, relentless, pursuing what? Out of balance. The homemaker, the gardener, one project after another in search for the perfect person. This is it. This time it'll work. You know, it's that. What Genesis shown us, I think, is this tendency, that constant reaching for the apple in the middle of the garden, you know, driven by discontent. And the ancient wisdom says, now why eat food that doesn't satisfy? That's a really great question, isn't it? Because the prophet's saying, you know this isn't working, right? If you're empty, if you're restless, if you're anxious, then whatever you're reaching for isn't enough. And so Isaiah counsels a complete change in perspective. Let's get back to what we know. You know, we're the creature, God's the creator. Right? We're the creature, God's the creator. Let's get back to walking with God in the cool of the evening, Genesis said. You know, before trouble in the garden, every night, God would walk in the garden. Adam and Eve would join them. would talk about things. Intimacy. They had intimacy. No hiding. It was only after they ate the fruit that they started to hide and they got scared and they were afraid they were naked and afraid that God would be angry at them. But before that, they went, walked with God in the cool of the evening. What does that mean? It's like, oh, let's get back to talking things over with God. You know, let's get back to what's real. Let's allow ourselves to be changed by spending time in God's presence. Let's, let's listen to Let's listen to the Creator's voice rather than all the other voices of need or desire or advice or ambition or fear. I mean, think about what kind of things go through our heads, you know? What voice is it? You know, are we listening to the right voice? Yeah. Walking with God in the cool of the evening. What a beautiful phrase that is. God says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made and honored and precious in my eyes. It's like, really? Me? Yeah, yeah. You're loved with an everlasting love. Me? Yeah, God says. I have plans for you, plans for good. And I'll never leave you nor forsake you. What about listening to that voice rather than, boy, what a hopeless case you are. You're never going to amount to anything. And how could you possibly be loved after what you've done? And plans, <sighs> doubt you're going to amount to anything at all. It's hopeless. You've tried. You know, what voice are we listening to? What voice are we listening to? 
It's like Adam and Eve. Lots of good teaching there in that little text, isn't there? Showing us what are we reaching for? And are we reaching for the right thing? Well, thank you for joining me. This is Celtic Preacher. We had a look at Adam and Eve uh, this afternoon. And I hope you can join me again next time for podcast number two. We're going to be looking at um, what is where is God when we feel completely out of control? Where is God? What is God doing when we feel like God is doing nothing at all? We're going to be looking at that topic next time. Please join me. This is Celtic Preacher. <laughs>